Okay, thank you. And Alton, thank you for inviting me to come and speak at your service today. That's absolutely fantastic. Um, I haven't spoken live in such a long time, so you'll have to forgive me if I start falling over myself. Uh, and when I'm recording, I normally, it takes me 35 takes to get past the first five minutes. Hopefully that won't happen today. <laughs> Okay, so here we go. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. When we look at this passage here in Scripture, I hope you realize that uh, when the New Testament was originally written, there were no chapters and verses down in the manuscript whatsoever. These are additions to help us flow through the Bible more uh, carefully and pinpoint more carefully verses that we're looking for. So I want to tell you that uh, between chapter 13, where they're having the communion and having a conversation, this conversation carries on through to the beginning of uh, chapter 14. And so it's a continuation of a conversation. And the aim of the beginning of chapter 14 is Jesus looking to comfort and reassure the disciples. They've had some bad news through this communion. They've found out a number of reasons to cause their hearts to sag a little bit. Um, the, first of all, they see that Jesus is uh, has a troubled spirit. And so in chapter 13, verse 21, we see that Jesus himself is a little bit down then he tells them that one of them's going to betray him then Judas gets up and walks out of the room for no reason at all as far as they can understand and then um, they find out that the their savior Jesus isn't going to be with them for very much longer so if you're having a dinner party where you're finding out all these things you're gonna your head's gonna drop a little bit peter's told that he's gonna deny his master three times so peter the strong one the boisterous one has been told that he's gonna deny his master three times so you can imagine at the end of chapter 13 the guys are a little bit depressed but jesus spots their disappointment Jesus spots their disappointment and he, let me just move those notes. <laughs> Jesus spots his disappointment, their disappointment, and he seeks to comfort them. What else could they have been disappointed about? They think they've got the Messiah, the King, who's going to change everything in their region, bring Israel back on that top footing kick the Romans out, establish an order like they had when King David was on the throne. And they're finding out that the one they're putting their trust in isn't going to be around at the end. No wonder their heads dip down. But Jesus sees this and he says to them, do not let your hearts be troubled. And uh, he says to them, each one of them, each one of you, don't dip your heads. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in me. Trust in me. Believe in me. 
Now, these four verses we're looking at are very familiar verses, as Neil has said. And Neil, thank you for the worship. And Jenny, I didn't know you could sing, because every time I've seen Jenny at Guitar Club, she's been supporting us, not singing. So next time we open Guitar Club, Jenny, you've got to accompany Neil when he's played his guitar. Just telling you that now. <laughs> so the four verses have been well known over the 20 centuries since they were first spoken since they were first written down. It's given relief to many a person on a sickbed. It's given relief to many a person who's been dying. I've used those words in countless funerals that I've taken over the years. They've been words of encouragement, words to lift people. I remember going into one hospital ward and saying to somebody, he said to me, I'm really scared, I'm really scared. And I thought, you're scared, you're scared. <laughs> I'm standing here trying to be confident. I'm scared as well. Then I found these words. And the person turned around and said to me, I'm not scared anymore. And you know something, I wasn't scared anymore. We knew exactly what was gonna happen when Mr. Parchment passed away. I said, a man like you, Mr. Parchment, you got no worries about heaven. You'll have met Mr. Parchment if you ever went to Birmingham market stalls because he was selling loads of Jamaican food. Uh, he was an amazing Christian guy. And if you, were, if you didn't have the pennies, he'd just stick extra in your bag. Would a man like that need to worry about going to heaven? Not at all. He'd always be on God's list. So Jesus spots that these heads are down and he gives the disciples words of encouragement. They were suffering from heart disease. And you know, it's the number one killer in this country, isn't it? Um, They've just said recently, um, uh, COVID isn't the number one um, killer of people at at, at the moment anymore in this country. It's gone back to its traditional heart disease. Now these disciples were suffering from heart disease. Their hearts were troubled. But Jesus' words were going to be the cure, the remedy, the encouragement that they needed against this heart trouble. We can't, um, we can't, we can do a lot of things to prevent our hearts from going manky. But, you know, eventually our hearts will stop. There is one thing this scripture is telling us, that our lives will not stop and that we will be with the Father in heaven one day. And the only vaccination we need for this heart disease when our hearts are are flattened or we feel a bit discouraged or depressed is the vaccination that Jesus gives us, which is called faith. It's amazing how a shot of faith lifts our spirits. Uh, The more we believe, the more we trust, the more we lay hold of, the more we press into Jesus, the more we do that, and the more we get encouraged. No doubt this little gang of disciples who sat around the communion table were depressed when they heard all that bad news. And yet Jesus was going to tell them, if you believe in me, you've got nothing to worry about. Now, Let's not forget that there are degrees of faith. What do I mean? There are some people who are so strong in their faith, nothing's going to stop them. And there are some people who are a little bit weaker in their faith and anything that comes and knocks their faith, well, it takes them a little bit 
more time to understand or believe that Jesus is there for them. But Jesus tells us through the Gospels that the faith of the weakest Christian is enough to get them into heaven. But he also sort of tells us that, uh, you know, the faith of a strong person is one that really encourages people, really encourages the saints. And even when they struggle, because they believe, they believe anything is possible. And when you look at people like that, and when you watch them, when you clock them and with how they live their lives with Jesus, we believe we can do anything as well. And so um, Jesus is really trying to make sure that the believers clearly believe and know why they believe and know who they believe in. Let's face it, Peter walks on the water because his eyes are fixed on Jesus. And when he starts looking at the waves, he starts to sink. It's by focusing on Jesus that we can get through these hard times. And so, my father's house, heaven, it's a residence, it's a home for the saints that is to come. It's there. Um, we don't know that much about heaven when we're looking at uh, the scripture. We don't know that much about heaven from what scripture says. The most we know about scripture sometimes is the negative things it says against uh, going to hell. And so we know that heaven is the antithesis of hell. But he says, heaven is my father's house. You're going to my father's house. If I go to my father's house, you can come too. You're coming to my father's house. I'm going home and you're coming home with me. And uh, I don't know about you, but I had a fairly happy childhood. We didn't have much, but we were happy. And uh, I love going home because my mom's got Jamaican dinner plates, which are bigger than English dinner plates. And when my mom would feed us, you know, in Weight Watchers, it says have a matchbox full of rice. I know this because I've tried Weight Watchers. My mom would practically put a bag of rice, cook it and put it on my plates for me to eat by myself. And um, I love going home. If I had to, when I left home and came back, I said, Mom, I can't eat that volume of food anymore. I love going home. Great memories, great playing, mom and dad. Um, Jim, Jim Reeves on a Sunday, that's all we were allowed to listen to. Bob Marley from Monday to Saturday, but Jim Reeves on a Sunday. I love going home. And Jesus says he's going home. At home, we're not normally loved for what we can do or our possessions. We're just loved because of who we are. And it's the same with heaven. We are welcomed in because of who we are, because of what we said, because of what we've believed. In my father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Because we're God's children, we're welcome home. Jim Reeves used to sing this song. This world is not my home, but I am passing through. And um, we listen to that every Sunday without fail. 
I couldn't break that record quick enough. But anyway, that's, that's fucking a fight. They used to sing that song and we used to get that image. This world is not our home. We're strangers here. There is a home that we're going to that is in heaven. And heaven is a place of many rooms or many mansions as various uh, uh, Bible versions say. When I've taken funeral services, I've reminded people that this skin and bones that we live in at the moment, this is only temporary. We're going to receive bodies and go to a home that is permanent. This is just a temporary tent that we live in at the moment. It's subjected to all kinds of change. If you look at my wedding photo, which I could get off the floor and show you, you'd be doing what my kids do. You'd be saying what my kids say. Mom, who's that bloke next to you in your wedding photo? Because it looks nothing like the bloke you're married to now. <laughs> oh, I was so young and trendy and fit and had a stomach like an ironing board. And now I'm just mature and gorgeous. So when we get to heaven, stop laughing. <laughs> when we get to heaven, they're going to be in permanent bodies that won't change. We're going to be in a place that is settled and won't change. We won't need to go out of heaven. We won't need to go on holidays because where we are in heaven, it'll just be absolutely perfect. It says in Hebrews 13, verse 14, um, do we not have a home in an enduring city? We, uh, sorry, we do not have a home in an enduring city, but are looking forward for a city to come home to. And uh, it just points out that there is a city that we're going to that is even better than Wolverhampton. Can you believe that there's a city better than Wolverhampton? <laughs> there's a place that is permanent and perfect. And heaven is a place of many rooms. There will be enough room for all the believers. No matter how strong your faith is, you may have the strongest faith in the world. You may have the feeblest faith in the world, but Everyone who believes in Jesus Christ is welcome. And there is a room for everyone. Room for everyone. No one will be shut out. The only people who will be shut out is the unrepentant unbeliever. So Jesus' intention here is to really comfort his disciples, to tell them that nothing can throw them out of heaven. Heaven is there. It is guaranteed. Now, he might leave them alone for a season. They might even be cast out of the Jewish synagogue. They may find that they're persecuted on earth and there's no resting place as there wasn't for Christians for a long time. But there'll always be enough room for us in heaven. We will never be expelled. So don't worry about the fact that I'm just going to go away and leave you for a little while. And my father's house. Well, if it's my father's house, it, it kind of intent. It, the, 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 if it's my father's house, it means my father's going to be there. It's his house. Now, God doesn't need a house. But wherever God is, is his home. He doesn't need roof or walls or, 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 or anything like that. 
But there's something touching and comforting that wherever God is, it is heaven. It is his home. And that's where we're called to be. And then heaven is a place where Christ himself will be. Where I am, you shall be also. Don't ever think that we'll ever be alone or neglected. It's, uh, uh, it's uh, you know, when we watch these programs like um, um, Davina McCall and Nikki Campbell, uh, where they go out and find uh, reunite families who haven't been together for a long time. You often hear the kids talk about how lonely they were and that they've always had this ache in their heart to find their real parents. And normally their adoptive parents have been absolutely brilliant. Um, this scripture tells us that we never be alone. Um, where I am, you shall be also. I'm your brother, your savior, your 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 king i'm always going to be with you uh, and certainly you're always going to be with me uh, and jesus gave himself so that we could be with him forever we're children of god hallelujah we are children of god whom shall we see when we get to heaven well hopefully you'll see me there with a big bright smile um and hopefully you'll see one another there um Hopefully, there'll be more than Baptists in heaven. Uh, hopefully, we'll see, we'll see people who we've known a long time, who grew us up in the faith. Uh, hopefully, you know, we'll see loved ones and relatives there. Uh, but one thing we definitely will see is Christ will be there right at the center. So he said to the disciples, let these things permeate your mind. If you are worried, if your head's a bit down, don't worry. Don't worry at all. I'm just going ahead to prepare a place for you. It'll be full of unspeakable comforts and joy, and you will not be alone. He's given them a solid ground, a firm foundation on which to put their belief. And instead of having a heart of unbelief and letting their hearts be troubled and robbed of the comfort of the future, he is putting into them that they need not fear. He's gone to prepare a place. He's made it ready for them. He's gone and claimed that land. He's planted his flag in the ground. He said, whoa, you know, when you do leave this heavenly earth, I have the best real estate ever and I've sorted it out and boy when you come there's nothing you need to worry about do you know one of the best houses I've ever been in belonged to uh, a black person in South Africa he was a lawyer for a massive recording company and while I small heath have a relationship with a little township church one of the people in this township lives in this massive mega mansion. I've never seen a house like it. It has a tree growing through the center of that house. And on the, on the balcony, um, when you come out, you see this tree um, in the middle of the house. <laughs> I call it a tree house, but it's like a tree house I've never seen before. And, uh, and uh, it had the biggest satellite dish I've ever seen in my life. 
you had you filled it with water, you drown. Um, it had a kitchen like, oh my gosh, it's the best house I've ever been in. And I know you guys in Alton live in fairly nice houses, but this is the best house. It's nothing by comparison with what Jesus has prepared for us. He's gone and prepared a place, you know, and all of us will get there. Now, there's a joke that is told that um, somebody says, um, uh, goes to heaven and walking around with St. Peter and he goes, I can't believe you let them in. Oh, you know, Mrs. Jones the other day, she was only slagging off her children. And Mr. Jones over there, well, he was carrying on with somebody else. And, and she goes around heaven pointing out all the faults of the people who are there. And then St. Peter turns around and says, well, I'm going to tell you, my love, they can't believe you're here. And so <laughs> you're not going to believe it's going to be there. <laughs> So many people will be there. Oh, gosh, what a day of rejoicing it will be. I can't think of many songs to do with heaven, but we sing at the graveside in Jamaican funerals. We sing until the person is completely buried and all the dust is and dirt is piled in by the mourners. Um, and we sing a song, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we will sing and shout the victory. Wow, what a way to send somebody off. And then just coming down finally to the last couple of bits of the verses, how encouraging it is when Jesus says, I will come and see you myself. I'll come and receive you myself. I will come and get you. I will come and get you. It's a bit like when the, the father rushes out to meet the prodigal son or when Joseph rushes up to meet Jacob. Jesus will be so excited that we are going to heaven that he himself will firstly come down and receive his sin. The second coming, when he raises, if we died, he'll raise us from the grave. If we're still alive, he'll take us up into the air. What a day of rejoicing that will be. Jesus seeks to comfort his disciples by telling them that their future is secured. And he will come and he will greet us. Just like, I don't remember many sermons, but one I remember from 1983 was from an Indian bishop from South India called Reverend Chandra Pillar, who said that Jesus I see will welcome us into heaven by being at the back of the queue and making sure that we all go in personally. Wow, what a host Jesus is. What a host Jesus is. And then he says, you know the way. You know the way to heaven. And Philip turns around in verse five, which isn't my verse today, and says, well, we don't know the way to heaven. We don't know where you're going. Um, but they've been with him long enough to have pieced together enough the teaching that he's given them over three and a half years, three years, to know that he is the way to heaven. But of course, this is a brilliant mechanism 
for the rest of the chapter 14, which actually has seven encouragements to the disciples. We've only looked at the first two, seven encouragements to the disciples that their future is secure with God. Now, for those of us who worry about what's going to happen to us at the end, we don't need to worry. And for those of us who are struggling and and thinking, is it all worth it? Yes, it is all worth it. And do we have to wait till we get to the pearly gates to experience heaven now? No, we can experience that joy in our lives now, even if we're going through the toughest of times. Take the encouragement because Jesus is the way. And if he's gone to prepare a place for us, it's going to be spectacular beyond belief. Don't, don't, sorry, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you ask us to put our faith in you. We thank you that you are the one who secured a way to glory. We thank you, Lord, that over the centuries when Christians have struggled in one way or another, you have given this assurance that you'll be with us to the end of the age and beyond. And so, Lord, let us just let those things permeate our hearts and give us the confidence to believe in you, to trust in you, to press into you. No matter how our circumstances are, let us know you're the one who will never fail us, never forsake us, and will take us by the hand when you take us home. We thank you for that reassurance in Jesus' name. Amen.